Welcome to our third segment of this afternoon's program, a short segment. Uh, it's Sunday the 27th of June 2021. It's now 2.34 in the studio. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Uh, Antigua and Barbuda's national elections are run on a first-past-the-post uh, electoral system. Uh, that is the way, that is the way, rather, it has always been. Uh, but it's not the only way to vote, it's not the only system of voting. Uh, and first-past-the-post separates the country into constituencies. Uh, there are individual races held in each constituency, and the winner gets a seat. Uh, the party with a majority of the seats in Parliament can form the government. Uh, The system does have its limitations, which we will discuss in this segment. Uh, One of the alternatives to it is simple proportional representation. Uh, This is one national election. This is where there's one national election held for parties, and parties are allotted seats in Parliament based on the proportion of the vote which they won in the election. Uh, So, as I said, on this segment, we'll be asking whether or not we should adopt proportional representation in Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, Joining us for this discussion, we're happy to have Dr. George Brathwaite. Uh, He's a lecturer in the Department of Government, Sociology, Social Work, and Psychology at the University of the West Indies, Cave Hill. Uh, Good afternoon to you, uh, Dr. George Brathwaite. Uh, Good afternoon, uh, Kieran, and good afternoon, Antigua. Good afternoon to fellow panelists, Carlin. Looking forward to this session. Uh, We have with us as well Mr. Carlin Knight, Antiguan graduate student studying economics. He is a social and political commentator. Uh, Happy to have you with us, Mr. Carlin Knight. Uh, Good afternoon to everybody. And to um, Dr. Brathwaite. Well, Mr. Knight, let me ask you for your views on proportional representation, whether or not you think that that is something that could be a beneficial change for Antigua and Barbuda. Um, as it stands, you know, I think, I think that we have to assess whether or not uh, our democratic system has been feeding. Um, uh, Mr. Knight, um, your your audio is coming through quite patchy. It seems to be going up and down, and we aren't hearing you very clearly. Uh, I'm not sure why. It does not seem that you're able to hear me as well. Through your vote here, which means it's inflation. The egregious of those kinds of instances when you have a party winning all of the seats in and yet they would probably get around uh, Dr. George Brathwaite, could I ask you the same question? Um, whether or not you think proportional representation would be a positive change for Antigua and Barbuda? Just your, your general views on, on proportional representation. Uh, generally, it can, have a, it can have a positive impact. It can help to fix some of the deficiencies that exist. However, uh, I would be slow to go there because it would also create the conundrum that you do not want in, particularly in these small developing countries, uh, where really and truly um, majority vote has worked. Um, the first pass, the post system has tended to really work. Uh, what we do need are reforms in in, in the broader democratic system, where. Uh, we allow for greater competition uh, among political parties and certainly where there is a greater sense of accountability and where citizen involvement and citizen participation is much more meaningful. But to the extent that you would want to ensure representativeness within the legislature, that that would be a, a, a positive step. But I do not foresee it coming at 
certainly in the near future because it is likely to create more bottlenecks and uh, and the the lack of giving a government the, the firm mandate that it needs to get things done, particularly in these small democracies. Uh, and Mr. Carla Knight, uh, sorry we weren't hearing you too clearly before, um, but uh, the question was whether or, or, or well, I shouldn't say whether or not, but your views on proportional representation. If you think it's a good um, uh, idea for Antigua and Barbuda, why, why not? Yeah, so can you hear me clearer now? Yes, much, much better. Is it the yes, same problem? All right. Um, I um, I just want to echo a lot of Dr. Bradford's sentiments. I think it's a solution in search of a problem. I think the question is really not really whether or not FPTP as it is um, has worked um, despite its, its 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 drawbacks. There are some obvious drawbacks. Um, one of which is that it tends to inflate the idea of of your seat share, so it's not. Um, congruent with your vote share in, in some senses. The most obvious of that is when you have a party, for example, that's going, that wins all the seats in Parliament, but yet only gets about 60-70% um, of the national vote. And the party will get no no seats in Parliament and will get 30% um, or thereabout or 40%, as we've seen in cases like Barbados and in Grenada and other cases. Um, but these instances are not, not the norm. I mean, there are um, other other uh, dis, uh, other um, disadvantages as well. I mean that you can't get a um, third parties, for instance, may not have as as great an influence in the electoral system on the FPTP um, because it's much harder for a third party to get into parliament. But 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 by and large, I think the advantages, in my opinion, especially in the context of a small island democracy outweigh the drawbacks. One of the advantages, the clear advantages, is that it gives you a very clear um, understanding of who your representative is in a single-member district. You know where you go to if you have a problem, if you live in a particular constituency. It's a much clearer, I think, a much simpler system to understand. It also gives very clear outcomes. Proportional representation tends to lend itself to a lot of, a lot of coalition governments, a lot of... Um, um, minority governments and so forth, it tends to be less clear what the outcomes are in an election. In an election, in an FPTP system, as a majoritarian system, it's very clear. You win the most seats, you form the government. It's very simple to understand. Not as, not as easy to have a governance. And it tends to lead to, sometimes down the road, a lot of fracture, um, very difficult circumstances. Look at what happened in Guyana, where you, know, you had to go back to the polls um, because of a vote that took place in Parliament. So, I mean, it tends to be less, a little bit more messy, I think. Yeah. Um, it works in larger democracies because you tend to have much more diverse interests and political parties. But in small democracies, we have two-party systems in most cases, and we don't have the kind of plurality in political views and political parties that we need to shift, in my opinion, to a different kind of system. I think the system that we have by and large, works well. Well, Dr. George Brathwaite, um, uh, I think Colin mentioned some of the, the drawbacks of a, a first-past-the-post system. In addition to some of the benefits, uh, some of the drawbacks he mentioned were the fact that you can have uh, an opposition wiped out of parliament or, or left with uh, you know, a ridiculously uh, marginal number of seats, uh, even though they may have collected uh, 30 to 40% of the national vote. Um, in terms of uh, proportional representation, I'm wondering what your views are on the the issue of uh, 
allowing for, uh, I don't know, political change. Uh, a first-past-the-post tends to support a two-party system and, of course, makes it quite difficult. I think Colin mentioned that as well. makes it quite difficult for new parties to break into that system because even if they are for quite a long time uh, picking up uh, some significant measure of the vote, if you're not winning seats, well, any party that goes for long enough without winning seats is, is just going to die. Uh, so in terms of new parties coming into the political system, uh, Dr. Brathwaite, uh, what are your views on, on whether or not we need reform, whether or not what we have is working? I would say, yes, you do need reform. But let us look at the political party. The new political party wanted to make a mark. They come in, and the first thing that is done, they seem to be lumped together or thrown together. And without looking to build a base in individual constituencies, it is just about a form of oppositional politics against the government or against the two dominant parties. And they missed the point. The point is that the whole notion of, of, of building a political party is because it is an institution that is looking to, to set your, your, your sights on something in the future. And I think too many new political parties within the Caribbean uh, They've, they've stagnated, not because they were unaware of the issues or they didn't have possible solutions, but the fact is they overlooked the most important thing, and that is the voter. And the voter needs to be, you need to take the voter where you're going. You cannot leave it to serendipity. Uh, you can leave it to chance. Politics by its very nature is something that is competitive. And if you're going to be competitive, you need a base. And that is what the two political, of course, we know that there may be shortage in terms of, certainly in terms of finance, the way modern political parties are. But you entrench yourself with issues. And if it means that, say, Antigua, 17 constituencies, and you can't run in 17, but you can consolidate perhaps the northern region or the southern region, which may give you at least five seats you can get in, there can be a buy-in. But the idea is you have to be locked in arm with the people who you will need to support you. And you need to do it institutionally and build strong foundations. It's no sense rushing in and say, I'm going to contest 17 seats and you have not even touched the imagination of the people. So that is one of the reforms. The reform has to start internally in terms of the dynamics. You have your constitution. But you Dr. Brathwaite, Dr. Brathwaite, let me... you can become a force within a five-year period. Dr. Brathwaite, let me ask you, uh, because um, uh, someone may respond to that by saying that uh, when a party does not run everywhere, the likelihood that persons will vote for it... Uh, uh, goes down in a first-past-the-post system because they realize that there's no way they're going to form the government. They, they don't even have a chance. They're not, they're not even trying to form the government. So, uh, you know, why waste my vote on a, on a party that is not going to form the government? Uh, and when you do okay. run everywhere, when you do run everywhere, and you, you know, let's say you pick up 20% of the vote nationally, you are ultimately not rewarded for that at all. That, that, that may be so. Uh, there's a reality in terms of proportional representation because um, even even if you take the list form or you take one of the 
toward the more simpler forms in terms of proportional representation, they are also demarcated by minimum, minimum percentage. So you might contest every seat and get five or eight percent across the board, but you still might not make it into the legislature because you might be under the threshold, which might be set at 10, 12 percent. So I, I, I'm suggesting, uh, particularly for new parties, what you do is you consolidate in areas where you know that you have particular strengths, you work on them, and by the and you contest in, in those areas. By the time a second election comes around, you would have enhanced your visibility, you would have been getting your message, you would have been building capacity in terms of likely supporters because you're on the ground. And it is those types of part, that's what I'm saying. A lot of the reforms that we speak of, and, and persons get frustrated, whether it's in Barbados, Antigua, Trinidad, wherever. Persons get frustrated with the dominance of one or two parties. And it, is, it seems as just it is an exchange in terms of who holds power. But people get frustra frustrated, but will not change allegiance attached to that only because they do not see uh, the, the, that the other minor political parties that are emerging or want to emerge are doing what is necessary to keep them and attach to them at the bottom. And that is where the emphasis should lie at the what you do in terms of the political party. It is political parties when connected with the society that will demand and perhaps get most of the changes they want in terms of the national um, architecture. Mm. They're right. the ones that build pressure, you know. Mm. Let me let me bring your. Hmm? No, I was just right. saying. Let me let me jump to Colin, Mr. Colin Knight, um, on that issue that Dr. Brathwaite raises of um, uh, the need for new political organizations to uh, form constituency bases to, to to get into the constituency to set up an organization at the constituency level and to practice the constituency politic just like the established parties do. Um, I, I'm curious for your take on that, and also, uh, you know, there are some who might say that the culture of closeness that we have, uh, because, of course, we are such a small, small place, uh, the culture of closeness that we have with our constituency representatives, uh, it, it, would it even be beneficial to, to actually break from that, to have representation at the national level uh, and sort of remove people from the patronage systems that constituency politics tends to promote? Um. Okay, so on the question of third parties and their viability, I think we need to understand, and, and I, I really think whatever discussion we have has to be grounded in our reality as Caribbean states. There's a particular political history that governs the way politics evolved in the Caribbean. It came out of the 1930s disturbances. Most of the mass-based political parties came out of that trade union movement, that, 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 that movement towards independence, that sort of labor struggles. So a lot of the established parties in all the islands, in all the states, have mass bases that are tied to the labor movement, tied to the trade union movement. So that you would see that in the trade and labor union, which formed the which, which, which then birthed or at least was tied to the anti-Labour Party. Similarly with the Workers' Union, that is now well, the UPP, which was an amalgamation of, of different entities, but came coming out of that, you have these 
these um, parties. So that these institutions have a democratic base within the labor movement that third parties lack. The other issue with third parties is that they tend to lack a coherent ideology that distinguishes them from the major parties. In other words, what are you offering that is not on the table already? Most of the ta- most of the third parties tend to be disgruntled um, appendages, disgruntled individuals who break away and form their own parties because they were once members of the major parties and then they decided for whatever reason, personal or otherwise, they want to leave and form their own parties. Well, I'm sorry, of course, settling is not a viable entity, a viable reason to be uh, a political party. People look to political parties in terms of what it is that you're able to do uh, how can you assist my situation? Uh, how can you improve my life if, and if in fact, I should vote for you? Mm. Um, why should I vote for you is a very important question that needs to be answered by these third parties. They have to sort of develop that core essence. And if a political party is able to say, well, okay, whatever the third party is offering you, I can offer it too, then there's a legitimate ex- existential question as to what is the purpose of a third party. I also think that in small countries like like very tiny democracies and Deacon Marbury has about an electorate of about 50,000, 60,000 people if so much the thought of a multi-party system to my mind is just not just not something that I think is palatable mm-hmm. um, I think two-party democracies tend to be the obvious resort of that um, the, the only country that we've seen um, um, where third parties have had a viable sort of um, positioning is in Trinidad and Tobago uh, in the first party's first context, that is, where you saw um, um, the Congress of the People, then you had the UNC and OFO. But even in that case, you still had to come together to form a coalition with the establishment, with the parties, to, to, to get a chance of forming government. Mm. So in, inevitably, you have to then amalgamate at some point to form government. So then the purpose is, you know, there's sort of an existential question as to what is it the third party is able to do. And I believe fundamentally, in terms of reforms, we need to be looking more so at ways in which we can have democratic representation. We can put more pressure on the established parties to deliver on the things that we want. We need more local government representation. We need more political and civic groups to be able to uh, to to put that kind of political pressure. And we need and if we had other avenues apart from parliament, apart from the main established parties for individuals to exercise democratic um, franchise, for individuals to have a say in what, what happens in government, right? Um, um, I think that there'll be, there'll be less frustration with, with the parties. So there's the party level, the national level, which may be an exchange, but there's also local government. There's also avenues. Local government may be a different sort of politics altogether from the national politics of the country. And you, you, so you have, you have more avenues to get your point across. I think those are the kinds of reforms that get us more than just saying, let's just add way more parties into the mix and we'll get a much more robust yeah. democracy. Well, let um, me, I let hope me, that answered your question. I'm not sure it, if it did. did. It did. But I, I, I would ask you then, I would ask you then, um, uh, let, let us talk about, for instance, if we talk about proportional representation, uh, it could be set up in such a way that you're not necessarily looking to add a, a plethora of parties to the, the political system, but merely trying to avoid uh, a sort of a... a, a, a 
a monolithic two-party system, which is, I think, what we, we see across the Caribbean, is that you have two entrenched parties. Um, and there, there's always a general level of public mistrust and dissatisfaction with both. And persons, you know, I find don't tend to think of the parties in terms of what they're offering, but more so who is less worse than who. So you, you find yourself in this sort of entrenched... Well, this is just... This is, this is literally my opinion now. I'm giving my opinion. You find yourself in an entrenched system where you, you're, you're voting based on uh, who sucks less than who. And um, where you may think, have I other organizations that try to get in, uh, you know, in a first-past-a-post system, it may be quite difficult. It's the same, it's the same actors. And if you look at what is happening, and even these third parties, it's the same actors. Right, this idea of well, you know, we'll get differences if we elect third party. It's the same people. I can't speak for every case, but it's the the same people who were in Labour Party or UPP end up in True Labour, end up in the DNA. It is the same people. There is no. My point is there until and unless your philosophical difference becomes clear to me, saying that you're a third party in of itself means nothing. What is what is that differentiates you apart from your clear, obvious issues that you had with the party that you once were belonging to? And I think the other thing is that, for me, the stagnation does not come when we talk about the, the party itself. The stagnation comes when we have parties that are very fixed in terms of your ability to be able to, to, to get in and to make changes. The American political system is a two-party system, but the crucial difference is that the actors in the American system change all the time. In Antigua Marbuda, we I look, I did see I did common entrance in 2003, <laughs> and I can tell you that, that when I had to do social studies and list the names of the MPs and the ministers, it's the same people in 2003 as the same people now in 2022, 2021, right? Almost well, I'm giving away my age here. But um the point is there has been very little movement insofar as changing in, in the, the competitive nature within the party itself. If people, were, if political parties were putting forward candidates, a slate of candidates that excited the masses, you know, if you felt that if you could recall people, if you felt that you could challenge people at the primary level, you know, in, in the UK system, it is very competitive. They have a two-party system as well, but it is very competitive. Our elections are not competitive. And so you have the same entrenched characters since Noah built the Ark. And it's not rotating. It's not giving people choices. And so you end up with this kind of stagnation because people get tired of the same old, same old. So I think what we need to have, the, the party system itself is not my problem. What we need to have is a much more responsive and a much more competitive system that allows for merit to determine your advancement and not last name or you've been there from ever since and whatever the case is. Mm. All right, um, I, this was I, a short I, segment, Doctor Brathwaite. I, I want to give you. Agree with here. I want to give you. Uh-huh. I just, I'm just letting you know you no, have um, you have the last three minutes. So please go ahead. Okay, I don't necessarily agree with uh, Carlin there. Indeed, uh, longevity and the ability to be repeatedly put back into the legislature by those voting for your constituents to me that is that is a plus that says something about the the quality of the member of parliament and not necessarily of the party because he can that individual can either sit in government or can be opposition i think what is more fundamental uh yes there is change but also with voter education happening at the level of the political party and below the political party at the ground itself 
and getting more people to participate, that is when democratic choice then really has some significance. So whether you are in, if you're in the first past the post system, it means that there may not necessarily be two dominant parties. While the system of itself gives weight to, to having two major political parties, any one of those two failing to make the necessary changes and failing to meet the people's expectations can be dethroned. And that is how the third party becomes the second party. So that is one of the fundamental myths that we have when it comes to, uh, to, to the two-party system. Yes, you can, you can throw, they have their gatekeepers. Politics is by itself, as I suggested, a very competitive thing, whether at the party level in terms of struggling for, he's speaking about in the United States and primaries, we have them here in the Caribbean and people are, are, are anxious about being able to represent. Well, but in some instances, in some instances, some, some parties are, are, not, are not, yeah. so, not so democratic. Yeah, but when you remain stagnant, and if the system, and as I say, always say, you have to educate the publics. And in the era that we're living in, well, all these political parties would would have emerged out of labor labor unions, the trade union movement. The reality is that just as much antipathy that is expressed towards politicians and party politics is being expressed within the last five ten years across this region regarding trade unions, because trade unions they have not been as adamant and as and the strong advocates that they were perhaps they're not chasing the things that they ought to be chasing but more and more you hear disgruntled people so we can't use that what we have we have a barometer that says there are several difficulties facing these independent states and these regions and this region and what we need to do is to grab it. It could be climate change. It could be on this same COVID-19 pandemic that you were discussing today. But there are issues that affect the individual, the communities, and the society at large. Now, I think there is some leeway that they can express themselves. Indeed, I must com commend Joanne um, Messiah for sticking to it and didn't give up because she lost her seat or because the, the, her new party lost. But she's back in there and she's trying to consolidate. And that is what it takes. It is not, a, it is not a, you, you, you wake up today and all of a sudden you're walking. You got to crawl first. And with that, we're going to leave it here. I want to say thank you to both our guests for joining us this afternoon. Dr. George Brathwaite, that was the last voice you heard. He's a lecturer in the Department of Government, Sociology, Social Work, and Psychology at the University of the West Indies, Cavill. Also to Mr. Carla Knight, Antiguan graduate student abroad. Uh, he's a social and political commentator, joins us to discuss various issues related to Antigua, the Caribbean, and the globe. Uh, thanks to both of you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thanks, Carla. Good luck with your studies. Thank you.